coming up on Heavenly Wit Monday. Can you believe that it is already another week? Oh my goodness. So join me right now with your cup of coffee, water, hot tea, or whatever you love to do just to relax and join me today on Let's Talk with Teresa Ann because what I'm going to do for the next six weeks is study the book of Galatians. But what I like to always preface is this, that the audience of Paul is the church. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to the church so that the church is the example that the world is watching. Now, here's what's incredible. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the first chapter of Acts, you're going to see how Jesus is uh, giving us the model that he lives out by example of how to interact with the world and how to respond to God in the midst of accusations, especially with those who are religious. Now remember this, that religion itself from God is not impure. It is actually holy. And what is pure religion? Pure religion is taking care of the widow and the orphans, those who are in need, those that you know need a lending hand, that you don't ignore them and say, oh, well, God will take care of you. But knowing that it's an opportunity that we have in that moment that we can seize by the power of the Holy Spirit to help that person in a practical way. Now, I want to make sure that I highlight that first so that you understand when you read what Jesus does and that he has lived out this life by example to know how to treat the world. That we do not treat the world the way that we would treat the church. Meaning this, the church, as Paul is addressing, he's addressing them with great rigorous accountability where there is no room right now to even for one second fall prey to sin. It's one thing when we make a mistake, right? But when we keep sinning to sin and we don't repent, we are living a rebellious life. So how do we live a rebellious life for God and not against God? This is what we're about to talk about today. So let's go to the book of Galatians. And we're going to start out in chapter one. And I don't know how far we're going to go, but Holy Spirit, thank you for opening up our eyes so that we can see clearly by the power of your love, God. So Paul has written this letter to several churches in Galatia. So let's just make it simple. I live in Austin, so it would be as though Paul is writing to Austin and he's writing to several churches within that city, okay? So Galatia is a city. So Paul is writing this letter to um, a group of churches in the region of Galatia. 
he founded these churches on his first missionary journey. He's addressing them with this letter because soon after he leaves, a group of false teachers come into that same region. They literally begin to tear down everything that Paul had built up. I mean, think about this. What if you and I go in and we're building these beautiful buildings within a city? And as we leave for a little bit, we see that people are coming in and destroying everything that we built. Can you imagine how disheartened that would be? So here Paul is after he's established God and his love and his word to this region of Galatia. And now it's being polluted with false teachers coming in and wreaking havoc. Now, what are they wreaking havoc with? These false teachers are of Jewish descent. They're telling these Gentiles who are not Jews, they've been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ with salvation. Okay? Now, what what these false teachers are doing is saying you have to submit to the Jewish laws. Well, it goes against everything that... Paul was ministering to them because it isn't by us boasting and being able to obey the law. It's in the beauty of receiving the the love of God where the love of God fulfills the law. And in that, the people that receive salvation don't have obligations to obey God but the get-tos. They're, they literally had the mindset of, why wouldn't we want to obey God? Like we're going to live by the grace of God that's so powerful that we don't just live by the law, but we live by the grace of God that causes us to live above the law. So not only, let's just say, let me give it, give it in terms that we can understand. So the law says, go 40 miles per hour. Well, when you submit to that law, you are not cursed by the law. But if you go above that speed limit, then guess what? You will probably get pulled over and now you get a ticket because you did not abide by the law. But the grace of God doesn't just cause you to do the speed limit. But it says, the grace says to you, the reason you want to go the speed limit is so that you are not only safe for yourself, but you're keeping and you're considering other people around you as to why you don't speed. So the grace of God has this beauty of love as to why we do what we do versus the law says, oh, I don't want to get caught if I do what I'm not supposed to do. See, the law shows us what we can't do. The law tells us how we've how we've fallen short. But the love of God and His grace causes us to go, wow, this is why I want to do the law. I need the grace of God to not just abide by the law, but I need the grace of God to walk in the love of God so I know and understand that this is about other people. 
This is not just about me getting by. This is about me doing it God's way so that other people will be pointed to him and be saved. So now this book of Galatians, Paul is now having to defend what he originally was teaching them. So now this letter is a backup letter to his first journey when he got there and founded these churches. And he wants to clarify the fact that salvation is only through Jesus Christ. That's it. It is only through the Son of God. It is not by us boasting that we were able to fulfill the law, that we were able to obey the law. It is truly through Jesus Christ that the works itself are revealed when we receive Christ. It isn't a, if you do good works, then you're showing you know Christ. It's this, when you know Christ, you can't help but do good works. It's the opposite. The law says you have to prove that you are God's, whereas salvation from Jesus says, this is proof that you know me, and because you know me through Jesus, you can't help but do what you've been called to. To to you're not you're not earning salvation. Salvation has already accepted you. And now with you receiving salvation, you are saying, I'm putting off all the old and I want to do this your way. And I believe I need to really just interject this point from horoscopes to uh, fortune telling to tarot cards to whatever it is that you are fearing your future or going, okay, I just need to know my future. I That has to go. That has to go. Why? Because those things are all, they're all rooted in fear. The fear of, and, and it's it, it shows a lack of trust in God that you have to go to something else to confirm that God truly is the way. But let me tell you, that is an enemy of God. It says in Proverbs 15, 15 in the Amplified Version, evil are the days of those who anxiously forebode their future. So, when you're anxiously foreboding something, that means you are looking to other areas besides God and his word to get peace. And all of that is counterfeit. That's not God. But it looks like it, but it's not. And so I really want to make sure I interject that, that this is not a, a message of condemnation, but it's a message of love that says, come back, come back to the one. You may not ever have the answers that you want, but you know the answer and his name is Jesus. So I wanted to to go there and now let's continue. It isn't about anything that we can do on our own that can save us, but salvation is who God is and what he does. It has nothing to do with us. So now that I kind of touched there with the introduction, let's go into chapter one. 
This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Notice something here. He is making it very clear as to the God he is speaking of. He's not just saying loosely God. He's saying this. Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preached to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. I want you to see something very clearly that Paul makes no bones about it. You are not to listen to an angel. You are not listen. You are not to allow angels or men of any of any rank try to twist anything that you allow the holy spirit of god who is the promised one from the lord remember the angels are not the promised one from the lord it is god himself sending forth the holy spirit when jesus ascended to heaven he said if i don't go the promised one cannot come and who is the promised one it is the holy spirit Then he says this, obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Wow, that's that's a huge statement right there, isn't it? Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from an angel. No, from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church, how I did my best to destroy it. 
I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James the Lord's brother. Wow. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me, did not know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. That is chapter 1. But I truly believe that Galatians 1, he is laying a foundation and a reminder of what he was teaching and who he was before Christ. And he was making it very clear that the very people that were coming behind him to destroy everything that he built, he was one of those. And so he can recognize exactly that this is not the salvation of Jesus Christ that these people are teaching you. This is mere human reasoning to get you seduced away from Christ. And so he was establishing in chapter 1, Who, the one who reveals all things from God, is Jesus Christ himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know what's going on with you today, but is there something in you that God has built up in you? And now things of this life and the things of this world, or maybe even teachings that you've gone to, are telling you or showing you that there's another way. But I just want to remind you of this. God's way is never going to be done through mere human strength or human reasoning. With all that said, you can just see the passion of God through Paul that he's like, I do not want anyone to get stuck in this lie again. And and, and it's, it's amazing because it's easy for us to fall into the lie. Why? Because it's the human nature to want to work for things, to be approved of it. 
And so in, if, if we haven't worked hard enough or we haven't received enough penance for something, then we feel like we haven't done our part. And this is something that we fall into all the time if we're not careful. So when someone is teaching us, this is how you live your life. And if you don't, you're doing something wrong. Then what happens is humanistic thinking that we think is of God will bleed into the very uh, essence of this sacred relationship with God and it will become twisted and will be seduced away from God instead of being wooed to him. And so today, whatever that thing is that's trying to seduce you away from the Lord, all you need to do is how you reject it is you just turn back to the Father and you say, Father, I repent. I am so sorry that I keep thinking that it's about me, that it's about my power, that it's about how how strong I can be. I want to challenge you with this today. Have you ever taken the gifts test? And the gifts test is where you actually will see where you are very strong in. So you might be strong in the prophetic or you might be strong in intercession or hospitality or craftsmanship. And then you're, you, you didn't even score on anything else. And those are the moments that, yes, are we to give what God has blessed us with and we're to give it with our whole heart. Absolutely. Because it says that in his word. But then let's challenge each other that when we see that gifts test and we see where we're weak, that those are the places that we go to God and say, Lord, you are within me. And so by your spirit, where I am weak, will you reveal your strength? So so let's just say you um, don't have have the gift of hospitality. And you know, that's just been kind of like the the confession that you make constantly. Well, I'm not, I don't have the gift of hospitality, but you know, Julie does and she's so good at it. So we're going to let her have it. But what about taking those moments, maybe where there's not an opportunity for hospitality, but maybe what we can do now is say, okay, God, I know my weakness is hospitality. So Holy Spirit, I ask you that in my weakness, your strength be shown. And so Lord, I would love to show your hospitality to my family and watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do through your weakness to where you'll no longer make excuses as to why you can't do something because it's not your gifting. But guess what? It's his gifting and he is the best and he is the truest gift and he's the gift to pursue. And as he is the gift to pursue, the gifts of God will flow through you at every given opportunity that he allows. So instead of pursuing the gift of prophecy or the the gift of being prophetic, or maybe you even walk in the office of a prophet, be very careful that you are not allowing that to be your identity, but you are allowing your identity to be remembered as a son and a daughter, that he's allowing you to walk in the office of that prophet. But alone, that's not who you are. You are truly a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And he is the one that owns all the offices. And when you are no longer on this earth, those gifts don't go with you. Those gifts stay here because of the Spirit of God. And so with that, let's make sure 
that our eyes and our hearts are on him and him alone. So this week, if you know of a gift that you are challenged in, go to the greatest gift, which is the Holy Spirit himself, the greatest gift, and say, Holy Spirit, I know that's my weak spot. Will you help me in these small moments of maybe getting to be hospitable for my family because that's not where I'm I'm great at. I'm really good at administration. Guess what? You'll get to use your administrative gift with power and with strength as worship to him while he's teaching you through who he is to be hospitable and to use that administrative gift to be hospitable toward others. So with that said, this is how we can live a life of heavenly wit, seeing mission fields in the midst of the battlefields. Thank you so much for joining me today on Heavenly Wit Monday on my YouTube channel. Let's talk with Teresa Ann. Thank you so much for joining me on Heavenly Wit Monday. Now, this is a call to action. If you have not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, will you please do so now? And if you liked the content on my YouTube episode today, will you please share it with your friends and family? Thank you so, so much. And also, if you haven't yet written a review on the books that I mentioned today, simply go to Amazon.com and write a review after you read my book. Thank you so much and have a great day.